Hello, this is Jerome Pena, and uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Right? Yeah, that, that, that you're echoing the halls with that one. Well, is, I am. I'm back in the dining room since I no longer, as of this afternoon, I no longer have a recording area. Oh, you're a man without a space. I am man without a space. That's my, okay. Uh, my like my barber came, and it's true. It's absolutely true. The the armwear, like I mentioned last week, that um, or Sunday, that uh, bullpen bulletins and eleven o'clock comics started. Um, my little alcove where I've always recorded from. Um, is no longer in my possession, so I'm back downstairs where I actually have a surface to set my computer on, and I'm in the dining room. So this is how it's going to sound for tonight. Sweet. Well, it sounds beautiful. Looks good. Look, sounds good to me, anyway. Got the gang right. back together. We do, man. We missed you Sunday night, Jason. I got to be honest. I, 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 unlike you two louts, I do try and listen to the uh, episodes I'm not on. <laughs> But uh, in this case, I didn't have the chance because of the holidays. So uh, I have no idea what y'all talked about. Nah, nothing much. Word? Yeah, we we got through it. There was questions, and, and we talked about some books. But uh, yes. it was a low-key. Did y'all just... do Caleb's uh, Three Ghosts yes, question? Yes, we did. We did. We did. Which is why we picked? didn't. Uh, do we remember we picked? Which is why we didn't chime in in the post on our Facebook group because Vince and I already did it when it was new and fresh. Who'd you pick? Well, they can oh, listen to the they could listen to the last episode to figure that no, out because this I'm asking because I I know you I know you are because this we're running real long in the beginning here. This is oh. 11 o'clock comics episode 581. Woot. Damn. Yes. And I'm Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. And uh, this is going to be, yes, this is not only 581, this is the last episode of 2018, and I'm David A. Price. Right. You are David A. Price, and I say God bless us everyone because I'm Tiny Tim. Oh, my God. (laughs) The most horrible, retarded British character impersonation ever. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And uh, let's tell him what we picked, just so he won't be in suspense the entire episode. Go ahead. I don't remember. I think Kirby. <laughs> I, I picked I picked Kirby and... Todd? No, no. no. Oh, Larson and, yeah. jo- and Josh Bayer. Okay. Yeah, because he had to mention Bayer because it's been a yes. couple episodes. <laughs> now it's... <laughs> <laughs> he he, uh, he he guessed my Ghost of Christmas Past, of course, which would be Gil Kane. Um, I also included Alan Moore because, as I said on the episode of everybody that you know, we we tend to you know we we've broken bread with Paul Pope and Scotty Young, and, and you know, there are people who we've actually have conversations with. Um, but of everybody who I don't think I'll ever be able to talk to while I'm alive. Uh, is Alan Moore. So he's on my list. Uh, and who was number two? Because Moore was number three. Oh, Casada. 
Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, of course, his present would be Casada, which is weird because I don't think future would be more. But there you go. But he's a wizard, so fuck it, he can be in the future. Um, but yeah, Ghost of Christmas Present was uh, was Casada, which of course completely um, flummoxed Vince because after all these years, he still I don't get it. Quite understand my my uh, attraction and appreciation for uh, for Joe, which is cool. It's fine. Uh, I'm not, say, I'm not saying he's beneath you. I'm just saying I I no I know of it's, all the people like he did. Right. I, I would never pick Casada. I know yeah. it's it's weird. It's it, and, and as as much as not 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 to derail this already episode. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, as as long as Joe's been in comic books and as long as we've been talking about comic books, it's not like he's he's been sprinkled throughout the years and i've talked about him but it it's it's weird it 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 does seem like he's being mentioned more often than not recently especially since he's no longer editor-in-chief he's 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 got really nothing to do with the day-to-day operations of marvel comics but when i think about the i was actually thinking about it today um especially when he was drawing daredevil the 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 kevin smith written guardian devil series the uh the the way he would draw the um the 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 billy clubs um ropes it was just there was just something about and not that daredevil was so daredevil was so much later than ninjack and so much later than ash and Ezrael. not so much but but it was he had already kind of established himself before he even got to taking over certain characters at Marvel. Um, there's just always been something about his style that just, when I was doodling and, and, and just trying to put things on paper, it, that was, it was, I wasn't drawing like him, but it, it, his, his style was very similar to what I was kind of, what I was looking for. And, and it just, it, it kind of spoke to me. So, um, and again, as I mentioned, there was also the whole event comics forum and message board that he and Jimmy had with with a um, with a small group of fans, and it was it was one of those. It was definitely a a um, right place, right time kind of thing. So I know I, it, I know Vince, you may not get it, but it's it's weird that um, uh, as far as like a. I don't want to say modern master, but it's it's he's he's a very in the moment kind of creator for me. I guess kind of like Eric is for you. It's just it's 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 kind of how I see him. I think. Okay, and you don't have to worry about getting comics from the past, present, and future if you're a subscriber to Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. One more time. That's DCBService.com, where you can get all the books from all of those time zones, locales, eras, whatever you want to call them, for a fraction of the retail price. Now, this is definitely the last time you are going to hear these specials. And it starts with Antarctic with Exciting Comics number one. It's the return of a uh, anthology that we haven't seen in. Mm, over 70 years um Antarctic is creating the superverse which is populated by new heroes and old favorites like black terror and the heap and the cover price is a dollar 99 what but because you're a super smart dcb service subscriber you can get it for a dollar nine that's 45 percent off the cover price 
over at Black Mask. They are claiming that nobody is in control. Number one of four, written by Patrick Kindlon with art by Paul Tucker. The cover price is $3.99, but no way you're taking it home for $1.99. And last, but certainly not least, from Jody LaHoop and Nathan Fox, it's The Weatherman. Trade Paperback Collection, Volume 1, scooping up issues 1 to 6. Cover price is seventeen ninety nine. No way, Jose. You are bringing it home for half that. $8.99. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books all packaged up real nice and secure with a kiss, and the guy brings them right to your front door. There's nothing easier. DCBService.com. Boom. That's right. Good job. Vince, I know you hate going to the movies these days. Hmm. Wow. I don't hate it. Long I don't do. I don't it. I don't hate it. There's just not many films that get me up out of my my cave. Well, I saw a movie that I think a lot of our listeners would assume would get you out of your cave tonight mm-hmm. before we recorded. Took the fan to see Bumblebee. Oh, nice. how much and of it is G1? And I'll just, I'm going to get into that. Give me a chance here. Uh, and I would say that uh, Somebody you would tonight. absolutely love being in the theater for the first 10 minutes, mm. and you would hate the last hour and a half. Oh, mm. no. That's what I was afraid of. Yeah, 100%. I, I liked it a lot. I really did. But when, I, I can't look at a Transformers thing and not think of you. Um, Aww. And there were definitely parts of the, of the film. I, I was simultaneously enjoying it and thinking, Oh boy, this isn't for Vince. <laughs> this is not Vince's deal. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful tonic to those who were absolutely put off by the Michael Bay stuff, particularly the last few. Like me, like you. Well, and honestly, I, I, I was fine with the first few, but once we got into the Wahlberg era, I thought it just went completely off the rails <laughs> to being almost unwatchable. But um, this is basically a prequel and a soft reboot all in one. Um, the G1, the much talked about G1 stuff is the first 10 minutes of the movie. Um, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. Um, I, I, I can't fathom why they aren't going to, or at least haven't had official plans to, to do a film in on Cybertron because they certainly got the CGI down because the G1 stuff was ridiculous. I mean, at one point when, Soundwave, Shockwave, and Starscream are all standing in the foreground ready to whoop that ass, that Autobot ass. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but uh, but the rest of the movie is basically, uh, I would liken it to, uh, if the, the 15-year-old me would have thought this was the best movie ever. Like, if this came out in 1989, I, I would have thought it was the absolute most ridiculous movie ever made and be jumping through the rafters about it. Um, I think the, the writer and director intended to make this uh, evocative of those 80s films. It was set in 1987, and I think the whole tone of the film was meant to bring us back to that era of filmmaking. So I think it was a success from that end of things, but um, but it was light on, on, on action. I mean, it basically... Uh, there are three Transformers in the, in the movie outside of the, the early flashbacks. Um, th- there's Bumblebee and then two Decepticons. So 
it's a it's a much smaller it's almost like a buddy movie between Haley Steinfeld uh and and Bumblebee versus the government aka John Cena and his crew and these two Decepticons. So thought it was a blast but in a in a much different way than what I think you would want from your ideal Transformers film. So how does how do they explain the gap between this girl and the Witwickies? No, that's why I say it's like a soft reboot. Um, in essence, like this takes place in '87. It's the first encounter that Bumblebee is sent from Cybertron. The Cybertron War is going on. Um, they the Autobots are losing the war, so Optimus sends Bumblebee to Earth to secure Earth for them to get to because they need a hideout that the Decepticons don't know about, and. Um, he he gets to Earth and things happen. I won't get into that, but he has an encounter with a, a, a very famous Decepticon and things happen and he kind of goes dormant for a while. Um, and then Haley Steinfeld discovers him in a uh, like salvage yard and Bumblebee had, had basically lost his voice. He had his memory corrupted and erased. He pretty much was this very close to dying. And so when he when he comes to for her, he's much in the form that we saw in the Witwicky films where he doesn't speak. He plays the radio to help communicate. Um, and he's very passive and docile and childlike. But um, basically, this is if you wanted to try and connect it all, you'd say this was the prequel, because by the by the end of the film, he's back to being himself in terms of knowing who he is, why he's there. He's fully capable of whooping ass and using his weaponry and stuff. And he kind of vamooses from her life because he has to go and, and, and get ready for the uh, other Transformer, the other Autobots to arrive on Earth. So from that vein, you could make the case that it's like happens a few years before what we see in the Bay Transformers movies. But it's it's like I said, it's really more of a soft reboot because it does violate some of the continuity there where in this case, the... Um, the government doesn't have Megatron, you know, captive. Right. Gal- Galvatron, rather. What do they call him? I forget in the movies. Do they call him Galvatron it, it, or Megatron? It was Megatron. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't have him captive. They haven't been mining him for years for information or technology. It's 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 more like their first encounter was Bumblebee. And, hmm. and so um, it, it's... it's I, I took it to be them trying to just restart the whole thing. Sure. Um now, as as our buddy Vander pointed out, I guess, and I double checked this, it's doing terribly in the box office, like really badly. So, whether or not this is going to be the first of a new series or not, probably remains to be seen. Um, I guess it'll depend how it does in Asia, but uh, but yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. But again, it's 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 like a a nineteen, it's like a late eighties buddy cop movie type of a vibe versus a, a war of these badass mechs action-packed vibe. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. I'll I think wait. Dap would like it. I think you would yeah. love the first 10 minutes and be cro- like ready to fly out of your chair, and then you'd be like, all right, I'm outie. Yeah, it looks like Benji to me, like those kind of movies. Like, you know, kid meets companion, has adventures with companion. And then, 100%. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like it felt like the the – if if I was seeing this the same summer I saw Back to the Future, I I would be 
I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and Haley Steinfeld's cute as a button. She is that. Yeah, she is. Hard to pull off eighteen at this point, though. How old is she? Yeah. Ah, she's got to be what twenty-five. Oh boy. Dang. Right. Yeah. Should have got me. I could pass for eighteen, but I'm not a girl. Of course you can. Yeah. Hey, what are we drinking here? Jason, you go first because you missed the last one. True. Well, uh, as I think you two know, my wife hosted a little soiree uh, last week. She does an annual Christmas party for some of the ladies of the town related to her book club. And uh, there were about 25 ladies up in here in their PJs. And uh, most of them bring wine to the uh, event, which is cool. But it left us with seven or eight half-opened bottles of wine Mm. that I have been trying to uh, power through like a good steward of uh, vino the last few days. And I am getting toward the end of the half-drank bottles, which is uh, not necessarily a great thing because I am drinking a big glass of uh, Woodford Merlot. And I will be completely honest, it's very close to swill. (laughs) <laughs> but but it's it's got to be drank because I'm not going to let wine go to waste. So. No, absolutely. You should have mixed them all together. <laughs> no. Be like a big old, big old bucket of goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I okay. knew that a couple weeks ago. What are you drinking, Vince? I still have this uh, Barefoot Merlot open, so I'm going to drink it until it's gone. But mm-hmm. I got a lot of alcohol. For Christmas. So my drink roll call is going to be so diverse over the next month or so. Love it. Y- your heads are going to spin. Nice. Yep. I approve. Um, I decided to try a couple of different things. Um, we hit the liquor store. We don't get to hit all that often um, on the ride home the other day. So um, looking for a couple of things. I am sipping on this evening a Cabernet Sauvignon from California called The Show because I figured it was appropriate for podcast that I consider The Show. It is a um it is extremely tasty. It is uh vented and bottled by Rebel Wine in Napa, California and um this on top of the cab i had with dinner um along with the old-fashioned i had for dessert will probably make for a interesting evening nice do you uh dudes have thank yous uh yes yes i i know i do um i'm not sure if you guys do Mm -mm. none for me well um i will Thank. I will post photos uh, after tonight um, because my man continues to outdo himself. Um, Bean started. Jeff Douglas started um, a few years ago. He sent me a dollar store hero. Um, he repurposed a. I'm going to say it was a a, a Labrador Retriever uh, as Hunter Rose. And it's a beautiful, it's one of my favorite pieces. A um, couple years later, he sent me an Epi Thatcher, which um, I believe is a cat. Um, 
and it looks outstanding. And and Jeff always goes above and beyond when it comes to to adding extras to his dollar store heroes. But uh, the other day, I opened up a box, and it is gorgeous. And I wish I enjoyed the character in the comic as much as I enjoy this dollar store hero. Uh, but it's Brian Lee Sung, and it is the most adorable-looking bear, and he's got the little arrow, and it is awesome. And I absolutely love it, and I will be posting photos in our Facebook group on Instagram, and I want to thank Bean so much for that. Um, I want to thank Mr. Cameron Hathaway. As I mentioned last week, it was a T-shirt that was in that package, and in the card he uh, he did say that Vince's is um, – his gift has been delayed, so Vince, he wants you to know that uh, as soon as he gets it, you will get it. But he sent me an awesome T-shirt from Graffiti Designs, which has to be one of the original T-shirts that uh, was a promotional tie-in to this series at the time. And it is a very much younger Kevin Matchstick with mirth in the background, with Edsel leaning up against the Edsel, and it is a fantastic um, I do not have a Mage Thunderbolt shirt. It's something that I've um, that I will get. It, it, I, it's very hard for me to buy T-shirts because my wife lets me know that I'm never at a loss for T-shirts, especially with the Marvel Collector Core. I just I have a ton of T-shirts, and I don't need to buy any more. Um, but I still need that one. But this was an awesome surprise because I did not have this. I remember seeing the ads in Comico back in the day. I want to thank him so much for this T-shirt. And I also want to thank Mr. John O'Neill for sending me Green Lantern, a celebration of 75 years, a very nice hardcover that DC put out a few years ago, um, which is, like I said, it's going all the way back from Alan Scott to the modern era. Um, You get uh, some Green Lantern stories throughout the years, Um, whether it's by Denny and Neil whether it's um, Joe Staten or it's it's there's I'm flipping through it and there are a bunch of stories, many of which I've read, a couple of which I haven't, especially the old Alan Scott stuff. But I want to thank him for the uh, the generous book as well. Nice. I have uh, similar thank yous to Dap. I shouted them out on the Facebook groups already. Post a little video, but for the listeners, huge. Thanks to Bean, I think it was two, three episodes ago, I had mentioned that Bean did one of these uh, creations for me. He had created a Deadpool for me two, three years ago, and unfortunately the USPS, shocking though this may be, uh, destroyed it in transit. And I was lamenting that a few weeks ago, and little did I know that Bean had already made overtures to rectify that. This time it arrived wonderfully safe and sound, and it is a kick-ass Deadpool bird. And the level of detail that he puts in these things is absurd. It's got the the X belt. It's got two swords and a scabbard. He's got a sword going through the bird's head. He's got on the swords in the scabbard, he's got the little Deadpool face and eyes. It's it's just unbelievably detailed. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, also, as Dap mentioned, Mr. Hathaway hooked me up, and I, unlike Dap, do not have a ton of T-shirts because I'm not prone to wearing T-shirts other than under some other shirt. But uh, I will make an exception on an occasion, and this is one that will pass muster. 
he sent me a Moby Dick t-shirt, and it's wonderful. It's absolutely beautiful. It and it's gray, t-shirt. too, which is one of the few colors of t-shirts that I will generally wear. So he crushed it. So thanks to you both. There you go. And one final bit of business. Uh, the uh, the annual 11 o'clock comics fantasy football league wrapped up <laughs> this weekend. Oh, boy. And uh, I know... I know, stunning everyone. Your boy took it home, champ. And uh, I'd like to wax poetically about how competitive it was, but truth is, I routed everybody. See, and, and uh, I think I would be more upset knowing what one of your side gigs is if you <laughs> didn't have some sort of leg up compared to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So your boy, your boy took home the crown, which is all good. <laughs> Um, happens a lot, but I still want to shout out all the rest of the crew, especially, uh, Moop and the Poltroons and Flip, Flip a Dippa for being in the semifinals. And, uh, we'll see y'all next season for another, can we beat Woodrow here? So congrats to me. Another very, very humble, very modest. Can we beat Woodrow (laughs) here? You got to keep 100. If Moop beat me in the finals, I would have been shouting out Moop right now. I mean, it is what it is. No, I get it. I get it. Every now and then someone beats me in baseball and I shout him out. Boop, boop. (laughs) I got to give a shout out to this book of the month. Oh, finally. Yes, we've gathered here together to celebrate the the, uh, book of the month, which turned out to be Darwin Cook and Matt Hollingsworth's Catwoman colon selena's big score which was published in 2002 and i dare say is a masterpiece but i don't want to you know tip my hand before we go in but uh and uh, do we have the list of of finalists handy we may we may if this page ever loads we just might because this book beat Uh, out 10 other choices this book very very closely it i mean it was an extremely yeah. narrow victory i was hoping uh, it wasn't going to be planetary again i i was and, and as you and i talked about and, and yes we, we we mentioned in the past that um it we were hoping i mean it'd be cool to have a um our first ever follow-up um because you know planetary is a series that we do all enjoy but it's the end of the year we all have a ton on our plate um it would be nice to not have something so, I guess, yeah. heavy, dense, um, and dense yeah. um, to get through in in this month. Even though it's not exactly a short month, but still. Um, but yes, Selena's big score uh, by one percent beat Planetary Volume Two, The Fourth Man, um, and because of that, it will make it onto a um, an upcoming poll. Uh, but it also, I don't know why the site keeps going back, um, along with Selena's Big Score and The Fourth Man, you had The Damned, Volume 1, Three Days Dead, Grimjack Omnibus, Volume 1, Hard Boiled, Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files, Volume 5, Point Blank, The Question, Volume 2, Superman, The Man of Steel, Volume 2, Will Eisner's The Spirit, The New Adventures Hardcover, and X-Factor Volume 1, The Longest Night. Uh, the 
I said, planetary is the only thing that ever came close um, in distant third place was X Factor and then Judge Dredd and Grimjack actually not a decent showing at all uh, but we'll um, we'll have something for January's book of the month uh, this weekend and as mentioned February's is already locked and loaded it's Dark Knight uh, it, it's Dark Knight's Metal um, and then we'll uh We'll continue. We'll see what March is like because March we have C2E2, so maybe we'll pick something at the con like we did for Heroes last year, but that's we're getting ahead of ourselves. But yeah, right. so tonight we are talking about Catwoman, Selena's big score. Right. I say for January we clear the deck and do not allow any other book of the month candidate to appear on that list. Start fresh. Start from scratch. Okay. Fresh you, better clean, throw, I like it. you better throw some books at me then. Okay. I like it. Because we've been looking at the, you know, I love the ones that are on there, but they're coming close, but they're not quite oh, doing can. it, you know? So we right. should, yeah. and, we and should just sweep point, it. It's almost like it's, it's, it's only something's going to win because it's only been showing up for so long it's like well eventually right just, yep. in order for it to not show yep. up anymore we have to all vote for new it. i absolutely i i i don't disagree at all but we have to make sure that it's it's in print and these are th- i mean you know i i mentioned recently that you know brack pack is back in print so that was never on the list before Woo-hoo! because it couldn't be so brack pack's going to be on the list for january we already awesome. have some clean awesome um, so Why don't we, we do an all Rick Veach month for January? We can have right. Army at Love yeah, Volume big, One, Army big, at Love Volume Two. Sabbatical. I'm gonna be on sabbatical like Gil. Can't get no. Awesome. Yes. No, dude. It would just uh, we could bring back Maximal. There's just there's um Swamp Thing. If, if there's um as long as it is in print or or available digitally, um, it's eligible on uh, for Book of the Month and for the patrons who have used the form there is of course the uh the form where you can throw some recommendations our way you can nominate as many things as you want just please limit one title per recommendation don't throw promethea and the nail and earth 2 all in one line it it don't work that way it's going to be deleted um mm-hmm. I don't care how many times you 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 recommend, uh, how many times you nominate, you, you make a suggestion. Just please limit one title per suggestion. I'm begging you. Of all the things that I asked for, that's all I'm asking for. All right. So let's get into it. Yes. Selena's Big Score. It is a very terse graphic novel in at, what, 90-some pages? Yep, 90-odd 90, 90, 90 pages, 96, 96. Yeah, and it is broken into – what, what was that? As I say, it's 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 four chapters, so it's like four books. So yeah, yeah, it's broken into four books, each focusing well, each title on a, on a different character in the uh, the narrative. But um, the big picture is it's a heist story, a very very well written heist story in which Selena, in the opening book, uh, appropriately called Selena is um, she's very down on her luck. And she's in Morocco trying to steal a uh, an artifact called the Cup of Hassan. 
um, she enters the temple and leaves with the 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 cup and uh, the the premise being everyone thinks Selena's dead. She manipulated events back in uh, Gotham so that uh, people uh, believe her and Selena Kyle to be dead. So uh, she's down on her luck. She's broke. She she nabs the cup. The thing that could put her back in the in the black, and uh, she eludes her pursuers. They uh, men with guns and turbans and. And uh, she goes to examine this thing, which she struggled so uh, valiantly to uh, procure, and it is a fake. So she has no other option. Ah, shit. I got to go back to Gotham. She hates Gotham, but she gots to go back anyway, because she has a little bit of scratch left. And she uh, put the uh, a box in the safekeeping of a pawn shop owner named Swifty. And she goes to to the pawn shop, and he's, oh, baby, I thought you were dead. Thank you. know. And Selena never met a man that didn't fall all over her, um, at least maybe not outwardly, at least inwardly. Everyone has a, um, a crush on Selena, and especially the way Darwin Cook draws Selena. <laughs> Them eyes, yo. Uh, big, big, beautiful eyes. And uh, so Swifty gives her her package, and he's like, "She's like, what's up? I I need to get in on something. I'm I'm down. I I got nothing left but what's in this box. I I I, I need to to get back. I need to live." And he's like, "Well, I heard something, but I don't know. It's 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 a big big job. It's 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 not not the thing a cat burglar would want to do." And she's like, "No, no, tell me." So, um, long story short. Swifty arranges a meeting between Selena and a woman named Chantel. Chantel's a hooker. Um, she's a. Um, she looks very good on the arm of a uh, member of the Falcone crime family, the the big bad, the Don. Right? She's she's his gal, and um, she overheard Falcone talk about the uh, transfer of a train full of money see the 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 rub is that the falcones were sending 24 million dollars across the border into canada and the train would come back empty of money but full of heroin so um chantel wants no more of the things she has to do to get by you know sell herself and her her um her soul basically uh for this falcone guy and 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 she has a, a sick mother and a young child and she she doesn't want them to know what she had to do to you know provide for them but she doesn't want to do it anymore because because you know it's what about her her basic human dignity and when she says that those last three words they're the trigger that resonate with selena because selena um at one time her life was changed based on the uh utterance of those three words the basic human dignity and this was a part of the graphic novel that i thought was very um endearing to me was that cook is very much beholden to batman year one I mean, he just picks up the strings of what Miller did in that, and Selena was a prostitute. 
in this. That's something that DC tries to to gloss over or avoid completely. <laughs> but but in this, Cook says no. She was she was a prostitute. She did very very nasty things with her body um, for for money, and and she hated it. She hated doing it, and um, she one day ran into a man called Stark. Uh, Selena was with a, a a customer, let's just say, and his name was Tony the Toucan Tudesca, and and Tony made the stupid mistake of s- stealing something that belonged to this Mister Stark, and Selena's in the room with him, and they're they're you know they didn't quite get down to business, and Stark walks in, and boop, he pops. Uh, Tony the Toucan and and Selena's like what the f- wh- what the hell why'd you do that he said okay well here's the deal he's stole something that belonged to me and it was a key a key to uh, uh, a locker that had I don't know a bunch of money in it uh, but that's not the point he he stole something that belonged to to Stark and Stark is um, I think in Selena's own words he's as as cold and as granite he's a tough customer he's he's a uh, a master thief he's he he's a killer he he's stone cold right and he said why do you do this again he gave her the whole the whole speech why do you why you're a beautiful girl why do you sell yourself and for these these scumbags and he's like what about your basic human dignity and then click she decides to uh he takes her under his wing and teaches her how to steal and 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 how to get in and get out without being detected and all the things that selena perfected over the course of her career as catwoman the origins of all that stuff came from this this stark guy but there's bad blood between her and stark because selena screwed him over as she is wont to do um they were on a job and um stark was leaving the premises with the the booty and selena stole the uh the booty away from him and they've been estranged ever since but dun, 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 it turns out that uh stark is crucial to the plans for this this train heist so she has to eat a little bit of crow and you know get in contact with with stark again even though she knows it could mean her death because he could he could kill her you know honor among thieves right but still he screwed her over and uh, she could lose her life, so she's she's a little bit in the in the gray area there. But that's basically book one. It's just all set up, but it's it's a magnificent setup. The locales that um, Cook brings us through. We start in Morocco. We go to Gotham City, and then I don't think there's any Vegas in this first chapter. No, but we get the interior no. of Falcone's. Um, mansion and like like um stark says you don't fuck with the italians because they'll mess you up and uh no it's just it's it's basically a uh it i think cook is is wetting our appetites with the first little chapter uh slice that starts in morocco because it gets real gritty and dirty and shadowy after that and uh it's 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 phenomenal i just i love this opening chapter Feel free to chime in. Well, you were doing such a nice job recapping the issue. Didn't want to interrupt your flow, my well, friend. It's okay. I'm not flowing. 
Isn't it awesome? The colors. I think one thing is, yes, we're all very aware of just how what of a consummate um, draftsman, uh, layout artist, beautiful. Um, his composition is bar none. Cook was the bomb, right? But I think you got to give Hollingsworth a little bit of credit for this because these colors are smoking. Yeah, they really are. And it's fascinating because a lot of the pages are mono- monochromatic, um, we're, and, and which we see a lot in Darwin's work with the Parker books. Um, in fact, more pages than not are one primary color uh, palette. And then every now and then you get this page, which is fully colored. like a full, yeah. a full, And it's just it's so stark um, or startling um, in contrast to the rest of the pages. Uh, visually, I think this may be as perfect a book as there is. I, I think I, so. I, I can't. It, it's it's so um, it's so cook in its in its form and 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 it's just so perfect. You can see why um, he he was so beloved, not just by readers like us, but by his peers. Yeah. Um, before uh, we go on, I, I did want to set up a little bit about this book because I think it's important. Is that uh, this came out in 2002, and this was, for all intents and purposes, Cook's coming out party in the industry. He he had done a few things here and there. Um, he had been doing for about a year the backups with Ed Brubaker in Detective and focused on Slam Bradley. And then he got a chance to do this book on his own. Well, so was, I think he was... He was um... He was working on Catwoman with with Ed Brubaker and uh, Mike Allred. Yeah, first came Detective, where they did the backups. Yeah. Then then the Catwoman series came with him and exactly, and then during a break from that, he did this book on his own. And this takes place continuity wise. This takes place after the Detective stories and before the Catwoman series. Right. From a continuity perspective. But I mean, and to go back to what Jason was saying about the visuals, unlike many of the characters in this book, I think Cook's visuals are bulletproof. They they really are. There's not much negative you could say. I, I I dare say you couldn't find anything negative to say. It may it's not ridiculous. It may not be your thing, but the execution is one hair away from flawless. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and and it's the way he approaches it. You'll get a flur a page that had just has a flurry of panels. Boom, 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 boom. There's like twelve panels on a page, mm-hmm. and when the scene changes, you know it because there'll be a black panel with a word in in color saying at least where you are or who who they, we're, talk- who we're uh, talking yeah. about. Yeah, and then you get so he he throws twelve or thirteen panels at you, and then the next page is one giant panel. And then yeah. he'll then he'll throw maybe eight or nine panels at you again one or two and then boom you get this big panel so there's a there's a cadence there's a meter to this stuff that's so planned out and um, Gotham City it it goes bang 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 and then when we see Swifty in the in the pawn shop there's a litter of panels but that that sequence in the pawn shop it just baffles me because if you look at the the uh, chain link fence. It's hard to draw a character behind a chain link fence and get away with it. And he not only pulls that off, but Hollingsworth's color on those pages is remarkable because almost all of the colors are in the same value range. 
So mm. the contrast is left to Cook's mm-hmm. line and brush marks where the colors are just there to just delineate stuff. And it's it's insane the confidence that the colorist had to just, I mean, going in on there, I I would have to make something pop in each panel because that's what we like to do we might we like to make a certain amount of value a certain value range for things and then you got that one stinger that goes and that's what highlight that's what's highlighted in the panel there's almost none of that here they're almost all in the same value range and it it freaks me out because it shouldn't be but yet it is and it looks magnificent what i've always what i've always loved about darwin and naturally I mean, when you think of creators who left us way too soon, he, he's definitely high on that list. The He doesn't – what he puts on the page, what he puts in each panel, he puts it there to to move the story along. But he, he doesn't – there are times where he puts just enough so that you get a full story. He doesn't really – go overboard he doesn't it, it there's no crosshatch he, he's he's an animator and and whether it was from the men in black cartoon or or any of his previous work he he knows exactly what needs to be done and and his characters are always expressive i mean not we when we think of expressions we we think of kevin mcguire but you have eyes and mouths and and they definitely like selena doesn't have to say a word and all you have to do is see the side of her face to see her eye to know exactly what she's thinking what she's feeling and there's there's just there's something about the lines that that cook puts on a page that just absolutely sends me to the moon i cannot they're so i have a very small i have a handful of of artists who i definitely think can do no wrong and and darwin is absolutely on that list and i don't there's one panel where i kept going back to where where she's talking to stark and it's what was neat about this story is, is, as Vince just mentioned, the first book, and it's it's told from Selena's POV. It's 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 all the all the narration is just from Selena, and the second book is told from Stark's point of view. And as as you're reading it, and and then Stark is is talking to Selena and making sure that you know she doesn't dick him over again, and. He, he he's talking to her about you know that this is his you know, she came to him but he's he's in control here you know he he did what's going to go down is to based on what how he wants it to go down and you know he's sending her back to gotham city because she's got a mess to clean up with she, she's got a mess to clean up and she's got to take care of another character who we're going to be introduced to in, in this series, even though it's it's a character that Darwin and 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 dealt with before, as as, as Jason said, in the detective backups. And there's one panel where, because she's 
completely in silhouette. It, it I keep going back to it because it almost looks like she has a hunchback, but it's it's because she's it's as as Stark left her feeling a certain way that that she kind of just the the form of her body definitely reflects how he made her feel and it just it, it it's just weird that it it i i don't know why i kept looking at it and, and thinking that that it was it was just weird to see her drawn this way in a silhouette but still it, it just it absolutely um got the point across but it it's it's this is this as as i mentioned when it was announced when, when we announced the winner this is my first time reading this particular Darwin oh really? Story. Yes, yeah. I, I've oh. never read Selena's Big Score before. Before this week, um, it's it's why not? I mostly because when this was coming out in in the earlyish two thousands, I wasn't. Um, I, I I I missed Ed's take on Catwoman, so I wasn't there from the beginning. Yeah. Um, my my first real exposure that I remember that that uh, paying money to read Darwin's work was was DC New Frontier. That was pretty much the first time. I mean, I was familiar with with, with Darwin's work before, especially like I said with the Men in Black cartoon. But this was not a um, it, w- it was New Frontier that made me just stand up and say, "I this is a reason why I read comic books." And 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 Darwin is. It was quickly catapulted to the top of my list as, as far as creators who I adore, but um, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know why I wasn't reading Catwoman as it was coming out, but um, yeah, Selena's big score completely um, slipped by me, and I this this is one of those stories where as, as I'm reading it, I, I definitely see and and I'm the the version I read is um is in batman ego and other tales and there's a um there's a bit of bat matter back matter where darwin talks about the different stories in this collection um and if you don't you don't need to read the back matter to, to, to get that but um stark is obviously a um Stark is his in, in the comics. Stark is his Lee Marvin, who is um, who's based on um, who's named after the crime novelist Richard Stark, who was of course a pseudonym for Don Westlake, who is famous for his Parker crime novels. And and I think we've all we've all read and enjoyed, and it's been on the eleven o'clockers in the past of Darwin's adaptation of the Parker stories. And as I'm reading this. You, there's, there are people who are really, really good at illustrating heist stories, and um, I don't know if there are many who are as good as Darwin. And um, as I was reading this story, I kept going back to Parker, especially as Stark is talking to Selina and and telling her, you know don't dick me over again and and you're getting the because I'm, I'm also thinking about payback the, the mel gibson movie which of course is based on a parker story and 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 there's there's just um there's it it was i'm i'm glad i i'm not so happy that i didn't read this as it was coming out but i'm glad i i read this now 
following my reading of his Parker adaptations because he's there are certain things that I think Darwin really had an affinity for and high stories I think is is may not be the top of his list but is near as far as I'm concerned as far as I can tell is near the top and um I think I, I feel like I've read this at the right time I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much if I had read it when it was coming out well you may be a little not misinformed but judging by this book it looks like it came out in four individual chunks it did not it came out no, no i didn't no, think so no 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 no. because yeah. i have okay. i i have a uh i have a trade of of selena's of, of just selena's big score which again it, it was on my regime and it, it just it, it sat yeah. there and, and i hadn't read it it was on my bookshelf before we moved i don't know which box it's in now but um i believe it was dan bryant who sent me ego during a gift exchange a couple of years ago and and again and that sat on my shelf unread um but yeah, I'm I'm flipping through it now, and and as I mentioned last week, I don't know compared to the other stories in this collection, and this has no bearing on Selena's big score at all. The story's still the story. I don't know if I I need to see the original story because it it feels as though some of the text, some of the drawings may have been blown up to fit in this collection compared to the other stories from, from Batman black and white from Batman ego that Darwin's line is a lot more. Um, I don't want to say controlled, but just it is a little finer in some of the other stories. Whereas in Selena's big score, it's a little chunkier, a little more, um, uh, not as, not as fine. And, and, and I want to say maybe controlled, but it's, it's weird. It's, Maybe it, maybe it's been, maybe it's because of when Selena's big score was was produced compared to the other stories in this collection. But it's not as, um, as I'm going to say, polished as some of the other stories in this collection. Well, you you touched on something there. Uh, well, first of all, it's cool. It's interesting that you're playing the role of me this week, where, where or this month, where you. It's, this is your first time reading this. Mm-hmm. I'm usually the one that uh, seems to be reading a lot of these for the first time. Um, but you, your, your missive here about it reminding you of Parker is, the, I think, the critical point. Because, um, you know, when you consider that this came out, again, at the early stages of Darwin's comic career, um, this this is clearly the format the visual uh, blueprint, the structure, the pacing of the Parker novels. Um, and I would just correct one thing you said when you were talking about heists and maybe it's not Darwin's best thing. It absolutely is his most important thing. I mean, that's why he did the Parker novels. Oh, no, no, so, I don't know. Yeah. Yes, I, I don't... I like, mean, that. Like th- what I'm saying is this This was his chance early in his career at DC, and it speaks to how much they must have thought of him, to do something... He wasn't at the point where he had the rights to or the name for the Parker novels. But clearly, this kind of storytelling was always central to his being. And he got a chance to do what we, he would later get a chance to do in its pure form with the Parker novels here. And right. I think there is nothing for as, as I mean, new frontier is the closest thing to a perfect comic book 
that there is. And I think that most people listening to this episode will know him from New Frontier more than anything else, and that's fine. Um, But much like you, I mean, I did read this many years ago, but but rereading it, I thought, wow, I mean, I I had forgotten how much this was basically Parker before Parker um, in every way. And and it's nice to see this now from 2002 and think it, it just it added a little extra warmth to my heart to know that this is the kind of story that Darwin wanted to tell and that while it sucks that he's gone, he got a chance to tell his most important version of this type of story, which is the Westlake novels. And he got a chance to do them. And yeah, I think no. that's great. And he... So. And and the, um, the 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 continuing with the afterward before we go any further. Um, so he mentions um, working on Catwoman with Ed and and All Red. Um, well, we haven't been introduced to telling recapping this issue this story so far. Uh, he says Jeff is uh, his Chow Yun Fat. Uh, Stark is Lee Marvin. Swifty is Burgess Meredith. Um, the uh, let's see the 1966 film classic Point Blank is an adaptation of Parker's first appearance and stars Lee Marvin. Um, he also mentions Slam Bradley. The um, it, it was so so the big score seems to be aside from the whole heist. Um, Infatuation. He he was also incorporating things that he had worked on prior to this story, and, and he does say that um, the big score, as of this moment, as as of this writing, okay, looks like all right. So as of two thousand seven, uh, the big score remains my favorite book that I've written and drawn. So obviously that, that was before he was able to to convince Westlake to adapt his stories and actually use the the name of the character for those stories because the Lee Marvin movie, the the Mel Gibson movie, they were never able to use the Parker name because none of them ever um, passed muster. But based on um, Darwin's appreciation for the source material, um, Westlake allowed him to adapt those Parker stories and actually keep the name Parker. And then I guess after he passed um, that Parker movie with um, Statham came out, but regardless, as far as um, Selena's big score, though, this is a love letter to, I think everything that, that, that Darwin held dear. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to pick a favorite panel from each book. Okay. Just just because I want to. Sure. The, uh, my favorite panel of the first book is when Selena is leaving Swifties and she's jumping and it's a big panel on the top of page 13 mm-hmm. and, yes. and you see the dirty yeah. the dirty grimy back ass of the city but bleeding through a crack between buildings is the <laughs> the the, the, yeah. the the neon and the sparkle yeah. and the glamour right on that, page. that that is a gorgeous gorgeous panel and that will that will be our album, our uh, nice. our, our art oh, for yeah. It's just it's it's a magnificent panel. It um, is. It but the, is. again, the the thing um, about 
Selena's big score is, if you pointed to a page and you told someone, an uninitiated person, pinpoint the time in which this story is taking place, they wouldn't be able to do it. Dude, is that that's... Because, right, there's a timelessness to... Of all of Darwin's work. Right. I don't, and, 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 and this is, I'm saying this is someone who still hasn't read any of his Before Watchmen stuff, but whether you're looking at New Frontier, and of course, the, I mean, yes, the, the, there are stories, there are scenes that take place in, in different parts of America's history. Um, but yes, I, I, I agree with you 100%. There's, there's something about... Timelessness is exactly it. Yeah, Stark likes to drive a vintage car, but a lot of people like to drive vintage vintage cars, especially if they have the money for it. But we get to later on in the book, we get to Mom's gas station in the middle of Arizona, and we get uh, we're doing testing on things, and and even even Gotham looks there's there's nothing the the clothing that these characters wear they're f- from a time, but they're not out of time do you know they're not uh even the casino which once looked like that and some of the casinos do but mm-hmm. the one part that really places it is when they go to vegas because those signs are no longer um they don't no longer exist you know so that is the one thing but other than that the the beachwear, the 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 hotels i mean it's all it's a timeless story, which I think lends itself well to 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 rereads, right? You know, uh, there's no cell phones in in right. uh, uh, in view. Even the pack of cigarettes that could be a well, contemporary pack, of, right? But yeah, right. Um, it, but email's it could, been around since. Sure, but uh, so let's let's get to book two, right? Yes. Book two is called Stark. For very uh, appropriate reasons, because Stark is residing in Miami Beach, Florida. This is where he goes to unwind and get away from the game for a little while. And Selena, dressed um, as a blonde, and it works for her, uh, goes down and and she basically throws herself at, at his feet and says, you know, yes, I screwed up. And yes, I, I thought you were going to kill me, but... Um, uh, I, I need you, and and he's like, oh boy, you know. Um, and to his credit, he checked all this out prior to her um, coming to see him because he's on the ball and and knows things. And if she wasn't on the level and didn't tell him, if her story didn't mesh with what he heard, her life probably would be over. Mm-hmm. And we get a little backstory in which they were, you know, romantically involved, much to his luck. Um, and and he, he teaches her the ropes. And what what she needs him for is the logistics of the, the heist. Like, there are certain things that she can't do. She, she, she can't um, plan something this, like, Celine is pretty smart. And she knows how to get in and out of a building. But we're talking about a moving train. Not just one car, but four cars. Because it's $24 million. It's in however many bags. And she, you, you have to think about getting in. How, how do you pace a train without being seen? Do you take a helicopter? Like, no. What do you do? So that pans out in this chapter where they go to Vegas 
uh, because Stark knows a, a guy, a criminal mastermind um, named Jeff, and uh, Jeff has ideas. And uh, at first, Jeff plays it off all uh, machismo, and he pulls a gun on Stark and points it at his forehead, and he's like, you know, if I ever see you again, blah, 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 get out of here. But that was all for show because there are people with eyes around. So behind the scenes, they go to uh, another place and, and they all hook up and uh, the story take, the story plays out where Jeff is a, he's an idea man and he comes with, up with the, the way to actually get on the train. And um, it's pretty cool. It's a, uh, a high-powered rocket sled that just clamps onto one rail and uh it's a the the sequence in which it's uh delineated is is pretty well done lots of speed lines which is not commonplace for for darwin cook but he still does them real well and um selena of course was testing it and she comes up with the idea like hey i got it i i know how we're going to get these money bags off the thing here's what we'll do we'll put it on cable with uh, clamps on the ends, and then we'll throw it off into the the water, and then we'll scoop it up with a boat. And he's like, "Well, what the hell? Why didn't we think of that? You know what I mean?" Because, um, but it's 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 this chapter is basically a uh, nod to the um, Stark's past, and we find out that she was romantically involved with him, but she got away from him in order to be not only Catwoman, but to get close to the bat. And um, unfortunately, in this chapter, we flash back to Falcone, who is with his his lady Chantel, and uh, he puts two and two together because he has a, a kid, um, Carmine, who you know he's into video games and stuff, and he's he's been doing security for me, and he you know that email thing. Well, he's been keeping an eye on that too, and uh, you better explain yourself. And that that's where the second it doesn't end very well for Chantel, but we don't get to see that until book three, which is called Slam. So if I had which to pick, yeah, if I had to pick a panel in this entire. Uh, second book that I would deem my favorite, even though it's difficult, I think I would pick the one um, where Jeff is throwing the dice, and he's got yeah. and he's yeah. got yeah. he's got the Kirby handout, and yeah. you just see he's so confident he's not even looking at the dice, and you see um, his two gals on the side, and they're like, oh, they're just waiting for those numbers to come down, and he's got a stack. Of chips in front of him. It's just a great panel. It'll be me in a week, baby. <laughs> Are you going? Yeah. You going on a heist? No, but I'll be rolling them bones. Yeah, you good at that? We'll see. It's will just be the two of us again next week, Vince. Nah, yeah. dog. I leave Friday morning. I come back Monday night. <laughs> Won't skip a beat. But again, Hollingsworth's colors in this uh, book are amazing. Yes, this yeah. this chapter I think is the is is his his crowning achievement of the book because you start off in Miami Beach and it's the pastels that everybody associates with Miami Beach. Yeah, right. It's a complete change of tone. Then you get to the flashback where she was knocking in boots with with uh, with old dude, and 
it gets stark red and blue. Everything's can, red. Yep. Red is the color of sex. Yep. Stank. You can almost you can almost smell the stank. Then they get to Selena Vegas. Selena don't got stank. No, it's true. He does though. He's an old man. It's true. Uh, old man balls. Uh, then you get to <laughs> Vegas, and it's just this bright neon and pure Vegas colors, and the whole saturation changes. And it's it's yeah, it's great. Hollingsworth just absolute top of his game in this. Yep. yep. I would love to ask Hollingsworth how how detailed Darwin's instructions were with 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 this story, or how how much trust did they have with each other? If if um you know if if Matt just and 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 it's not like you know this isn't Matt's first rodeo, obviously, but it, it's it's one of those things where how much how much give and take, how much trust was there, and and I I would just I I'm curious, especially with a story like this where color is so important. Not that this. This could, I mean, based on Darwin's line, this could work in just black and white, just telling the story straightforward. But, but the colors definitely set the tone. It, it, it helps establish the mood, and especially in in, in a noir esque heist type story, um, you know, it 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 helps with the settings. I mean, whether you're in Gotham, whether you're in Miami, whether you're in Vegas or out in the desert, it it's. The colors do play a part. This isn't a story that you can just, you know, throw some flat colors or, okay, you know, this person's wearing a, a grayish trench coat or it, it, I, those are the kind of process questions that, that, that I have with, cause it's just, it, Darwin wrote and drew it and, and then it, Matt got to color it. So, um, I would just like to know how much instruction Darwin had or if there was enough trust. For Matt, where Matt's just like, I, I know exactly what he's looking for because this is Darwin. Because this was, you know, Darwin's kind of first big writing and drawing to do. So um, I'd, I'd like to know how much free-falling each person had. Yeah. But that's me. The part of uh, the sequence in Miami Beach is is breathtaking because it just i think it showcases not only darwin's chops and the man had many but if you look at how, what hollingsworth did um look at those one two three pages what is the preeminent color on all those pages it's peach right so he uses not blue for the shadows he uses blue green for the shadows because there's a component of orange and peach which yes it would go good with the it could would go well with a blue but it, it has a yellow aspect of it too so mm-hmm. he uses green a blue green for the shadows and it's just like that's you're speaking the language of color theory and it works so freaking well but most i mean it it's not entirely necessary blue shadows would have worked but not as well as blue green shadows it just the the wheel is humming it's in such beautiful um, harmony with everything. It just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's masterful. Just want to say that. Just wanted yeah. to say that. Yeah. So we're on to book three. Book three. Slam. Yeah, good old Slam Bradley. And this is when things take a take a dip, a little bit of a dip. Um, yeah, it gets darker. Um, and the uh, hard to read too. A little bit with the. Typewritten. Oh, you think? A little bit. 
thought it was a little small of a font. It's like uh, that. I, I saw the uh, the typewritten um, dialogue or caption boxes as um, you know the gumshoe sitting at his desk, hundred percent, whacking yeah. it out on the yeah. uh, on the the old. I'm sure, that's what it was meant to convey. Right, manual typewriter, mm-hmm. but it, it's a very very dark chapter because um, Slam is hired by the mayor of Gotham to to get Selena and. Um, Slam, for whatever reason, burned a bunch of files to uh, cover up part of Selena's, you know, dirty dealings. And uh, he he sees, he's waiting around by uh, Swifty's pawn shop, and he sees Chantel walk out. And she looks like the face, that the, the expression that uh, Cook draws on Chantel, it looks like she lo- she has just lost everything. She knows she's a dead woman walking. She mm. she leaves the, uh, the the pawn shop and he he kind of falls asleep. And when he wakes up, he sees um, Swifty and Selena drive by, and she she slashed his tires. And, and you know, so he's got no way to pursue her, but uh, he still thinks something's up. So he goes up to Falcone's penthouse, and he arrives just in time. Well, not in time for Chantel because she's been beaten to a bloody pulp. But he arrives just in time to plug um, Falcone's goons and uh, start to question the the Don. He shoots him in the knee and uh, hangs him off a building. He lets him in on the whole heist, you know, what's going down. Um, and, of course, uh, Falcone plummets to his death, which is appropriate. But there's another wrinkle to this heist that comes up in Chapter 3. There's a Canadian by the name of Henry Le Perrier, who is hmm. the recipient of the the money, and he's going to turn it around and send back some some heroin. And he's like, well, um, since he's Canadian, he goes, oh, he says, well, maybe, maybe it'd be a good idea if I took the money and didn't send back the cocaine or the the uh, the heroin. I can have both. I can have everything. And since, you know, he's he's alerted to the fact that, that something's going down because um, Swifty is uh, doing the boat thing. He's in a cave. He's got the, the boat ready to, to scoop it up. And uh, La Perrier or whatever sends his uh, his man and, and uh, Swifty's uh, uh, taken. But meanwhile, bum, 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 the the least likeliest hero, Slam Bradley, commandeers a plane, and he's going to uh, to Canada to to help out a little bit. Um, then Cook gives us a little backstory on what exactly happened between Stark uh, Stark and uh, and, and uh, Selena. Before this. By placing it here in 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 this chapter, this completely because it's only the third book. This caused me to wonder if Stark put two and two together and was possibly setting Selena up. How so? Because. Since since Slam was talking about um, 
Oh shit! No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead because I turned the page and there's book four. So so well, no, no. See at the end of the third because when when Stark and uh, who's the dude he left for dead? Um, Falcone. Fingers. Fingers. Uh, there was a hell of a firefight, and Fingers was hit. Stark oh. apparently didn't bat an eye. He picked up the bag and made for the street in a hail full of bullets. So when Stark gets outside, Catwoman's whip grabs the bag from Stark, and she gets away. And and as, as Slam is explaining the story, or retelling the story, the whale man or woman wasn't waiting for Stark when they left and so if if Stark had known that Selena was Catwoman and who made off with the loot, that caused me to think that Stark knew from back then. So this was his way of getting revenge on Selena. That's so so because because you never because when 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 you watch these heist movies and and read these heist stories, you you, you kind of have to. I tend to think of because now we know more than the person involved in the heist that if they're in on it if, if, if they know as much as the audience knows then this would be a way for stark to get back leaving selena high and dry so he makes off with the money and it's like listen bitch you know you you did me wrong i got busted because now i can never show my face in gotham again so this is my way of getting back at you so mm. so so by putting it in this chapter this made me think that maybe Stark, as much as he wants to trust Selena, um, he can't because of what she did to him in the past. Yep. But that's only if he knows that Selena and Catwoman are the same person, which it doesn't look like he kind of does. Um, favorite panel of this is exactly in the sequence you're talking about. When... Um you have Stark running top of the page on 64 and you see in the background massive shadows cast against oh, the shit. wall yes. and behind the shadows it says Falcone imports exports wholesale and it's just Cook's amazing way of tying all these different story threads together this incident had nothing to do very little to do with what's going on with the heist in, yes, it does in the fact that the whole trust aspect between Stark and Selina, but this position, this time period, the place in which Stark is running from is now tied to the second, the first chapter with Falcone and Chantel and the whole heist. So he just, with just a, a word plastered against a wall, he ties this past incident with what's going on currently in the in the story. And it's 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 simple, it's easy, but not many people think of, of doing this thing. And it and it works. And the negative and positive uh with the shadows, how the when the shadow lays over a letter it turns red and when it's not it turns mm. black. It's amazing. It's just it amazing. Is. It's it's a superb panel. Body language, everything. It's great. Oh, it's a design. And uh, hot take of the chapter, I prefer Darwin drawing Selena to Darwin drawing Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to too many uh, people disagreeing with you. Well, it's early Catwoman. 
No, yeah. Again, it's near perfect illustration. I'm not saying it's it's bad, but I I just I like the way he draws Selena with her face showing. Yeah. I like the way he does her lips with the old style lipstick where they would loop it and it would come like a an in like a chevron almost like a like a heart-shaped chevron to their the point of the lip that shouldn't be that low but it is because that's how they put their their lipstick on it's it's great and uh lips are the the number one thing i i like about the way darwin draws women it's the lips mm-hmm. yeah yeah the lips so book four is called score and um shit goes down uh, <laughs> the, to say the least the the heist is fairly successful they get on board the, the train Selene almost almost loses it falling out the window but she writes herself in, in fact jeff thinks she's done um and david the lettering on this page is pretty big on mine too and i have the graphic novel so it looks like that's the way it was done Okay, yeah, because I mean, I'm the, the first couple of pages are um, are double page spreads. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, it's, I don't know if, yeah, it's it's bigger than the rest of, uh, the, than the one page, um, yeah. pages, but yeah. And the the sound effects are straight Alex Toth. If there was ever a precedent <laughs> for the sound effects, it's it's Alex Toth. But so they get on board the train, they safely get the money. Selena throws them off. They um, careen out of the train, over the bridge, down into the water. Splash! Everything's going soup. They're on the boat. Everything's aces. Like we got this, and they they don't got this because nope. La Perriere is on the boat. And, and he plugs one into Swifty, um, who dies, unfortunately. And then he, uh, two seconds earlier, he takes Jeff out. Fup, fup, Jeff is dead. Cigarette. Oh, goes, yeah, that, that killed me. Goes down. <laughs> and, Jeff. But um, thankfully, Slam is on the case. And he die bombs the, uh, the boat, which... Um, La Perrier doesn't like that all that much, and he alerts his dude in the in the cave, and uh, he he riddles the the plane with bullets, thinking that he got whoever was inside, and he did. He got the pilot, but th- that wasn't the only person inside the plane. Uh, Slam takes La Perrier is um, his henchman out, and it it all goes t- uh, down real bad, real real bad. Because you have a one-on-one between Stark and, um, well, Selina feigns um, surrender. She's on the boat and she's got her hands up. And La Perriere, who was driving the boat, turns around and says, Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, <laughs> you, are, you are alone. Um, but he, she wasn't because behind him was Stark with a gun leveled at La Perriere's head. And it would have been a perfect done in one but unfortunately uh, Stark's gun fails to fire and the Canadian riddles him with bullets but he's not dead he's got one last of one last act of uh, 
could we call it bravery? I don't know. Uh, reprisal? I don't, whatever you want to call it. He's got one last ounce of strength left in him, and he he ta- he he grabs the Canadian by the collar, and he levels his own gun, automatic weapon, up at his at his head, and he he takes him out. And then the last. Well, not the last page, because I'm jumping over a really important panel when uh, Stark's going down. He's dying. And he sees the light, and he sees his friggin' mother. Mm-hmm. And that panel was like, oh, shit, you did not do that. There's a blue elephant floating above a crib, and the woman says, settle down, Jimmy. And uh, we we learn that Stark's real name is James. And uh, he dies basically in Selena's Selena's arms. Um, Slam's got to do what Slam's got to do, so he he attempts to bring Selena in. She's like, "No freaking way, no way." Mm. Do you do, you, do you, you just saw who all these people died for this score? You're not going to undo it by bringing me in. No way, I'm not doing it. Just 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 go. Keep your mouth shut. I'll set you up. And and we'll be we'll be cool, cool, right? And he's like, no. So she says, okay. Bam! She shoots him, but not fatally. She she shot him to just to incapacitate him. And, him. Yeah, he respects that. He's like, all right, I yeah, I guess so. Um, it's just Selena's like, don't don't ever think about this. You need to respect my wishes on this. People, good, very good. Well, not good people, but people close to me died in this, and I don't want you to ever bring this up again. And Slam, being a man, asks her the question that has zero bearing on this situation or any other. He says, Selena, did you love him? I was like, Slam, you're such a mook. Like, why the freak would yeah. you ask her that? She's Even if she did, she's not going to tell you the truth. And, and, you know, she says she doesn't know the meaning of the word, which I find hard to believe. But um, the very last page, heartbreaking page, um, where Selena, and it reminds me of the last episode of um, Dexter, which was a piece of shit, by the way. But this, this is not a piece of shit because uh, Selena, we get a top-down view of the boat um, and Selena's uh, hanging off the, the ass end with, with Stark mostly in the water and she gives him one last hug and you see him just slide out of her hands. She climbs back on the boat, and the boat takes away, and there's bubbles. Where, Dude, gutted. Yeah, right? The best. I I honestly think the last page takes what was an A graphic novel and makes it an A+. Mm-hmm. And since I absolutely I'm, love the way that it's punctuated. I, it's a beautiful way to end the story. Yeah. Well, tragically beautiful, but yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, yeah. Yeah. The last panel is my favorite panel of this last book. It's an amazing panel. Perfectly executed. That panel that panel came from the gods. Yep. It's it's understated. It really is. He he could have done he could have shown um Stark floating down in you know, into the water or just bubbles coming out of his mouth there was a million and one different ways yeah, he could to have do it in gotham he could have, i mean yeah I mean, yeah the fact that it just it ends yeah. with her and stark and her letting go of stark it's like i mean whatever slam wanted to ask her it, it's kind of just 
it's it's answered on the last page, but it's it's a very it's it's heart wrenching and it almost it when I when I turn back a couple of pages because she says as as she's telling the story, she wishes she could hear Stark talking to the Frenchman and and he asks, you know, I, I, I've got one question. You've got one chance to answer. Are you working? Who are you working with? Falcone or her? Because, again, it's still about trust with him. And he's not sure. It, because he, when, when this all happens, when when LaPierre shows up and she's like, and, and Stark asks, you know, what, what the fuck's going on here? And and she's like, you know, she, she's as clueless as he is. But he's, he's still... He's, which makes me think that maybe he did know that because he, don't forget earlier in the story he decks Jeff because Jeff made the joke about you know well who'd she leave you with you know she'd leave you for Superman and it's like no you know he obviously knows that she so yes I'm I'm pretty sure Stark knows that Selena is Catwoman but he's trying to he just wants to know for his own benefit did she fuck him over again. Or is she trying to do right by him? And, and and so he stops out of everything. He's like, you know, listen, he's like, I could just kill you right now, but I got to know you showing up. Is it because she set this up this way or is it a Falcone thing? And, you know, so, so, so the Frenchman tells her, tells, tells Stark, you know, this is the way it is. And unfortunately Stark's gun is empty. Um, it doesn't end well for anybody after that point, but it just, it it's, it's not, this is definitely one of those stories where you know, we, we, we've discussed in the past where it, it's not exactly a happy ending. And, and is as, as wonderful as, as Darwin's work is, I don't know how many stories I've read by him where everybody ends up in a very, happy and 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 lovely place right it's the the last book especially it just illustrates the uh what i believe you 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 cannot trust anyone other than yourself you can't yeah you you can't you you can profess to trust your wife or your husband or um and and in most cases they have in this world okay uh, in, 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 mo- in most cases, no. In, in most cases, they have given you ample amounts of evidence to the positive that, yes, you can trust them. But can you completely trust anyone in this world? Meaning there is zero probability of this of, of a person double dealing you or, or, or do, you know what I mean, um, doing you wrong. If there, I don't think there's ever an instance where there's zero probability of someone not being untrustworthy. It, it, you can't say that. You can't say that you can completely, 100% trust someone. You like to believe it, right? But the reality is you cannot, on paper, say with absolute certainty that you trust this person completely. Completely means 100%. Now I know you're disagreeing me with me by your silence, but that's okay. And you you that's awesome. But what I'm saying is without one little hair margin of error, 
It's got to be. You, you, we, we, we cannot completely trust anyone. And then that, this, this story illustrates that beautifully, right? Poignantly and with a little bit of bittersweet at the end too. Because if you look at that last page, she's not only letting go of Stark, she's letting go of her entire past because he made her what she is. So it's like a fresh start, in a sense. She's she's letting go of her entire checkered past. What she does with it beyond this point, well, we've seen it, but it, the the horizons here were wide open for Selena. Yep, yep. And those boots, man. If I had a pair of them boots, I'd wear the shit out of them. Damn boots. <laughs> So what's up? Definitely one of the best uh, books of the month we've had the chance to do. Mm, oh, great. I would, uh, let's see, judging from what we've had, I think this may be the best book of the month. Yeah, I can't even think offhand all of them that we've done, but I, it definitely is one where I, I really just, even though it was a reread for me, it was wonderful to reread it. Oh, we and, all it and it was as down. good as it was when I read it the first time. It was better. I think because I'm older. Maybe, I'm yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm older. I appreciate the noir more than I did. Um, wow, yeah, that's true. That's deep. Yeah, I do. Um, Doing small, in no small part to Chris and and you guys have a a, a more, um, you're more welcoming to the genre than I am. But I I, I just think this was this is a. a Again, it's that M word. It's that masterpiece word. It is. It's a veritable masterpiece. There's nothing you could comment uh, on this book. You can't. There's no nothing negative you could ever come up with. It may not. Like again, it may not be in your wheelhouse. But the execution is bulletproof. Is flawless. If you got a bone to pick with the way Darwin Cook approaches the medium of comics. We obviously don't talk on a regular basis because I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste <laughs> yeah. my time on you. No, there's yeah, there's I, if if a master class is it, it's there are some people who you just feel that were were born to produce comic book stories, and I I, I feel that that Darwin is definitely whether he you know it, it was. It was a labor of love for him, or it was just a beast to it. I, I don't, I don't care what it is, but the fact that 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 he existed and was able to produce stories for for me to enjoy on a comic book page, right. I am just, I'm, I'm Richard Ford. I, I have absolutely, there's, I, I, if if we were to run down, you know, stories that everybody should have. In their library, if, if if you're a comic book fan and you, you appreciate certain stories or if, if you appreciate the art form, if if you are lacking any Darwin Cook work on that shelf, then I, I, I don't know if I can have a conversation with you. Wow. <laughs> Oh, that wow! <laughs> Talk about taking two new levels. Yeah. You need everyone Jesus. needs needs to buy all the Darwin Cooker. That's not going to. I'm not saying all. Holy I'm not shit. saying all. I'm not. I didn't say all. I, I said oh, any. I thought you said all. Oh, me too. No, I no, thought you no, said no. all. No, 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 no. Because then have, we wouldn't be able to be anything. I don't. If if you don't have new frontier, I mean, it, it, so if you're saying so. Someone, if if someone is is whether they're they're an old school old head 
comic book fan or there's someone right. who's you know like, like the new 52 is my golden age if if you're telling me that you uh-huh. don't have if you don't have parker or new frontier or but you know the, the, how much how much yeah, work I'm side eye yeah, you need to have one representation of saying. right, yeah, right. Yeah, right. but I was going to say, I, I, because I don't have everything Darwin's done. I yeah, uh, I need to right. make a confession. I don't have book four of Parker. I don't either. What the fuck's the matter with you three? I because don't. I, yeah, I don't know when the hell it came out. It, it's it's super slipped by me. But the, yeah, I the don't bean think. counter can't count to three. Which <laughs> is three? I was thinking. I mean, I have I, I I have the the oversized that IDW put out the ash can if you want to call it that. I have me that, too, and I have three books. I Same. don't have the fourth one. I don't know yeah, what the hell happened. I don't have it either. Well, I know uh, something we're going to do at C two E two. Yeah, yeah. Watch, there'll be one. And we'll have to fight over it. Uh, I, will, I, I will can't wait to see you duel to the death. Let you have it. I am Sicilian. We fight, the, uh, we fight dirty. But the the this this collection just I mean I know we're, we're straying off the um, the book of the month part, but th- this collection has the 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 Batman Ego and other tales, and it's T A I L S. It includes Batman Ego. Here Be Monsters, originally presented in Batman Gotham Knights. Uh, there are some covers from Gotham Adventures. This one is big score. There's the Monument, also from Gotham Knights. There's a uh, a pinup from Solo Number 5, a story called Date Night from Solo Number 1, a story called Deja Vu from Solo Number 5, um, Crime Convention from Which Was the Batman, the Spirit, uh, one shot that I believe Jeff Loeb written, Wrote uh, "Killing Time," with uh, which was the Harley Quinn holiday special story. There are variant covers um, out the wazoo. The Batman Golden Age Omnibus volume covers for the first volume and the second, and an afterward by Darwin Cook. So if if um, wait a minute, you said two different issues of Solo. Darwin Cook got two issues of Solo. No, no, no. Oh, there, no, no, no. There was no. There was a, a pinup. In solo number five. Oh, okay. And date night was presented in solo number five, and deja vu. Date night was presented in solo number one. Deja vu was presented in solo number five. So I'm not sure why. Let me see. Um, date night was written. Oh no no. Okay, it was the um, it was the Tim Sale solo issue because date night because Darwin wrote it, but Tim oh. Sale drew it. And yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, oh, actually, and I, I, I do think that, uh, that that issue of Solo, just the Tim Sale <laughs> Solo, made its way to a patron recently. Uh, <laughs> and not that that's... That, Hello, that, Jason. <laughs> Deja Vu is based on a 70s classic Night of the Stalker by Steve Englehart. Uh, but it is written and drawn by Darwin Cook, and that is from Solo number five. So that was, so, that was Darwin's issue of Solo. There you go. And Batman looks amazing. In this I mean, story. look, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the world's largest uh, Tim Sale fan, but I mean, it's not fair to mention Tim well, Sale are, in, the same, are, in the same episode are, we're talking about Darwin Cook because Darwin Cook does everything that Tim Sale fans think Tim Sale does, but he doesn't. Right. But I mean, but Tim Sale is there are some slouch, though, there are some there, there are some good Tim Sale drawn stories. He's without decent. a doubt. He's decent. Are, yeah, there's um, there is a where would you? A, okay, here's an interesting debate. Okay. Bruce Tim versus Darwin Cook. Oh, Cook. 
Yeah. Me too. I would say it without pro- with hesitation, but yeah, yeah there's. I, I wonder mean, if the rest uh, listeners let us know because I wonder if the world would dis- would disagree or be more even. I'm, I mean, well, Mad thing- Love is 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 a a great piece of work, but I don't know if 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 I see the same kind of versatility and and just worldliness. Yeah, I agree. In in Tim's work, I every every time I see Tim draw something, I smile. I like it a lot. Yeah, but. With Darwin, I not only like the line work, but as we've talked about for the last hour and a half, I just love the storytelling. Yeah, and and I still think that say, uh, uh, Bruce Tim is very beholden to Kirby. Sure, sure, agreed. Where there's oh, some, yeah. there's some of that. Sucks, it just sucks. That Darwin's gone. Jeez, it just, does. Oh, absolutely, it does. Yes, it does. but how about <sighs> the confidence? We haven't talked. We haven't spoken about this. The confidence that DC had in this story, where it 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 obviously, at least to me, looks like it was initially conceived as four individual issues, but they said, no, 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 no. this needs to be released in one graphic novel, a and, hardcover, cover. and a hardcover, yeah. In two thousand and two, when that wasn't a very common thing. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, no, and, and exactly, and it wasn't like Darwin Cook was was quote unquote Darwin Cook at the time. I mean, he was a highly respected illustrator from cartooning and advertising, but he was not a household name in comics yet. Yep, you are exactly correct. One of the things um, that I want to do in the wake of this is I jump ship on the um, the Vertigo Noir books, those little crime novels. What was... Oh, I've been giving those away in my packages. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> I've been trying to... Yeah. To get the entire series. Oh, I wish you would have told me I would have given them to you. Hmm. Do, you do you have a few and you need a few? Because I still have a few on my shelf. How many were there? Like six, maybe six or eight. I'm thinking there were more, but I only have I only have three. Well, we can I have the, that the, after. I'll tell you which ones I still have on my shelf. Okay, okay. I, have, I know I have the John Constantine one. Um, and I gave that one away. And uh, I have the Azarello, the first Azarello. Okay. And one other. I don't remember. Well, what. well I'll, I'll, I'll let you know which ones I have still. Nice. They're yours. Sweet. There's something about that format that just it spoke to me. But again, I, I it was hot and heavy on them originally. I too gave some away over the the, the years, but I would like to get them all back because I think I would mm-hmm. appreciate them more now. That I, uh, and mm-hmm. that that ties into my in your travels actually appreciating something way after the fact. Um, when I think, and if our, our listeners would like to know how they can get comics sent to them from us, <gasps> where they, do they can go to pa- they can go to Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com slash eleven o'clock comics. That's one one o'clock comics, and you will see a list of I think well structured tiers. For different ways to support the show and at a certain tier at a ten dollar a month tier you will be in line to receive a wondrous care package from us every few months and uh as we just alluded you get cool stuff in it including uh, including these uh crime graphic novels yep and the tiers will be more robust with the coming year because we're going to introduce some merch into Wamba the, tiers. Yeah, into those tiers. So uh, Oh, and also we're gonna have an international tier because we have a, a handful of awesome non US P 
people at the $10 level out of the goodness of their heart and uh, knowing full well that we, we don't do the care packages to them because, frankly, it's uh, cost prohibitive. It's very, very expensive to ship lots of books across the world. But uh, we've come up with some interesting alternatives. So we will have an international tier, which has been much requested. Probably the most requested change to the Patreon has been the idea of international uh, uh, offerings. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Well, there you go. That is, I'm going to cough. Uh, sorry, a, uh, our book of the month, Selena's Big Score, by the maestro himself, Darwin Cook, and the mini maestro, Matt Hollingsworth, in what, uh, one of the, the best graphic novels of, uh, of all freaking time. I don't think that's a stretch. I, I, I occasionally no, slip into the phone booth and turn into Mr. Hyperbole, but I don't think I did it this time. I don't think he did. Yeah. So there you go. Once more, we would like to thank Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, for uh, backing us as usual. Uh, don't forget, from Antarctic, you can get the exciting comics number one for $1.09. Jason has 13 copies of this on his on his order form. From uh, Black Mask, you got Nobody is in Control, number one. And The Weatherman from Image for a Paltry eight dollars and ninety nine cents. Damn. In your travels, I think I'm going to get the stink eye. You? From, yeah, from some of you, because I initially, way back when this was coming out, I I kind of shit on it. In fact, I'm pretty certain I did. Um, but as I was going through books to send to our butamous patrons. I came across thirteen issues. I guess I guess I made it to, to the thirteenth <clears throat> issue before I um before I I bottomed out of a, a DC weekly series. So I thought, eh, I got thirteen issues of this thing. Let me let me go back, jump back in and, and you know, I don't know, maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind or or my my underwear were too tight. And maybe I maybe I I was just in the wrong place and I uh, let me just revisit Future's End. <clears throat> oh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, that's what you decided on, to revisit, son. like the thousands of things you haven't read, and you revisit <laughs> Future's yeah, End. But come on, the, what the pieces of the puzzle? Oh my god, <laughs> the pieces of the puzzle are very cool. Like you, you have oh, Bri- you have Brian Azzarello, mm. Keith Keith Giffen, Dan Jurgens. Jeff Lemire, and a rotating stable of artists. But the characters involved in this thing are are special to me. Like Frankenstein is front and center in this book. And you get you have Mr. McGinnis, Batman Beyond, is sent back to the past to thwart the um arrival of Brother I, because in the future, from whence he comes. Brother Eye is assimilating all of the heroes. Um, Bruce goes down, but not before sending Terry to the past. But Superman is is a cyborg, and, and all the great heroes are cyborg. Firestorm is front and center in this. And there's a rift between Ronnie and Jason because um, Green Arrow 
sent a distress call to to Firestorm. Hey, help me out. And Ronnie was getting busy with a woman and didn't answer it until Jason came banging on his door and says, we got to answer this and Green Arrow dies. And there's a massive funeral. Um, Jason Todd is is a, a major player in this story. I don't hate it. I, mm. I, be that as it may, look at me as you will. I don't dislike it. I think okay. there, there there are Omax running around on an island. Um, Grifter, who I, I admit I don't have a huge spot in my heart for Grifter, but Grifter is um, cap- able to see not only demonites, but other types of aliens as well. And King Faraday is uh, incapacitates him, shoots him in the spine, and um, makes him do his bidding. I, I just, I just think it's silly fun. Emphasis on the silly. So you could ask for more. Right. I only have um, the first. I have zero to thirteen. So in um, in C two E two, I will be looking for thirteen. Or fourteen to fifty-two. If I can get them for if I can get them for a quarter piece, I think I'm going to do it because I would like to find out how this 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 story ends. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be? Aren't there collections of it? Wouldn't it be? Yeah, there be the easier way. There are three collections, but they're kind of pricey because they're like Oy. fifteen to seventeen issues a piece. So even half price, they're still like eighteen to twenty bucks a copy. So it would be cheaper for me to just scoop up quarter issues. I'm not saying it's not impossible. I, I think that that's a series that I think would be cheaper to obtain at, say, Heroes than it, at C2E2. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. I mean, either way. I mean, it's whatever it's the case. But it's still I right. would I, I would I, like to see how this plays out. It's not DC's greatest moment. No. But I think it's kind of fun. Oh, that was going to be a challenge. Uh, the, the um, you know, I, 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 I think we all have a series that you know is maybe cringeworthy to to one of us or two of us, but but we definitely want to see play out. And for Jason, it was Identity Disc. I, you know, there are definitely um, stories that uh, I feel you. That the, the future's end is definitely not one for me, though. That that's all you, Bill. Okay. I did read something that's topical, and I'm going to see if, if either of you read it before we we turn up. So I'm, I'm handing it away and see what you guys come up with. Take it away. There you yeah, go. You're up. Oh, I'm up. Well, you usually go second. <laughs> yeah. Newsflash. Yeah, right. <laughs> you dick. Right? Why not? <laughs> um... Let's see. What'd you read? In your travels. Um, yeah, no, I, I, um, well, it was, it was, I mean, we, Vince, you and I spoke like, you know, two fucking days ago. We, um, we did. Wow. Right. You know, one of us, you know, one of us couldn't make it, but whatever. So, um, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're, we're going to play that card. So, um, <laughs> wow. Remember, let the record show that I am not crawling up your ass this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I get a news flash, but okay. All right, whatever. I didn't uh, say news flash. He did. You said, yeah. Uh-huh. Who said news so, flash? 
He yeah. said news. Yeah, he did. He mark, did. Exactly. mark that so down. There you go. Yeah, tit for tat, bitches. Um, I'm still trying to make my way through because because you know I'm trying to be a man of my word. I'm still trying to get caught up on um the terrifics since you Same. know we, we said we were going to try to read that. Same. And listen, I you know there are there are some artists who you're like you know dude, why are you trying to be like? For example, you know, when Brian Hitch was aping the shit out of Alan Davis. Mm-hmm. As I'm reading The Terrifics, number 10, and I didn't really notice it, I guess, during the um, uh, the Superman, but Victor Bogdanovic really wants to be Greg Capullo. And I'm talking about like that early Quasar spawn. Greg Capullo. It's not a bad place some, to be, my friend. It's, it's, listen, no, it's, it's it's not a bad place to be, but you're also like three decades too late. This is straight. I mean, there are, and it's a cool yeah, story. Yeah, machine, right? Right? I mean, there are, it's it's some cool layouts, and I'm digging the action, but I'm like, I'm reading this, and I'm just like, so, like, I, I appreciate, we're, we're, we've been reading, we've all collectively, the three of us, have been reading comics long enough where we we kind of glommed on or, or, or were fond of certain artists back in the day. And, and it's weird that we're in some cases it's weird where we're old enough to see that a younger artist is aping someone who drew comics that we were reading before mp3 players were even a thing and it's 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 a cool story and i'm i'm digging where lemire's going with it but i'm just i'm i'm looking at this and i'm just like this is just this is greg capullo drawing tom strong and it's it's but in your travels i'm going to say you know what regardless of of whatever issue i may stain for it right whatever you know (laughs) don't worry about how i'm feeling about the art i'm still really digging the story that Lemire is telling with the terrifics. And, and um, I know that, you know, when the new age of heroes was, was, was announced and, um, and we had Jeff on to talk about the terrifics, um, you know, we were hoping for at least 12 issues. And I know that uh, I, I just put my order in with DCBS and, and ordered the 13th issue and Jeff is still writing it. So I'm, um, I'm looking to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to see where the the second year takes us. But uh, yeah, no. Um, in your travels, if you haven't, after after we've been talking about it for almost a year, if you haven't tried the Terrifics, then please, by all means, in your travels, read the Terrifics. Well, unfortunately, Brimstone ends with issue twelve. Oh bother! So the last of the uh, new age is um, damage. And um, silencer still going. Silencer, yes. And uh, isn't the unexpected still going too? No, 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 no. It's done. Sideways is gone. Sideways is gone. Yep. You only have three. Then there were. Then there were three. Silencer is very close to being done because they, as I talked about a few, like they wrapped up like a twelve issue. The first twelve issues were kind of one big arc, and then. Aww. But it hasn't been officially canceled, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's canceled soon. But much to DC's credit, um, damage has risen to three ninety nine, while the terrifics, and I think silencer is three ninety nine. The terrifics is staying at two ninety nine, at least for this 
next, next this next previews. Nice. The, um, and I, it's still, it 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 does still irk me somewhat that, um, you know, for a for a whole for a line uh, a whole line that was designed to um, tout the artist over the writer, if you want to say, um, that every single series has had multiple artists. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I think that's where they went wrong. God damn. I mean, I know just, just from Silencer alone, I mean, and, and, and it's horrifics too, because that's really the only one I'm, I'm, I'm current on, but every, every series has had like, you know, four or five artists within the first 10 or so issues. And it's like, no, how it's do true. you, it's true. just, I mean, it's been quality art, I think, for the most part. But sure. no, I mean, you can't you can't tell me that this series is different. These series are different because it's the art, artist first, and then right. the artists are out in four issues or less. I mean, that's yeah. just yeah. You know, well, because again, the criticism, right, when they announced it to the series, right, and it was Jim Lee and, and yeah. John Romita Jr. and yeah. so forth, so on. What did we all say? Like, okay, but like these guys are notorious for not staying on books or being delayed and. Maybe it's different this time, and well, it wasn't different. You know, it's the same thing with not to go on a tangent, but um, you know, with Doomsday Clock, it's like I, I don't care how amazing a series is, but you can't put out a series like like that over like two and a half years. Like it, it's, yeah. it's like no one's going to give two shits about it. It's just not going because it it is so steeped in continuity that you cannot. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, oh, it'll be a badass when you read it in the trade. You know what? I can buy <laughs> multiversity in trade right now for three bucks at 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 book at you know books a million. Like 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 good series or not, it just doesn't matter if if you're going to take that long to tell it. So yeah, anyway. But okay, I know this is a a tangent, but Brimstone started with Philip Tan, but yeah. recent recent issues has Dennis Cowan, like. Not no, no, not a huge drop. We're not saying then, that it's it's the, the artists aren't aren't still on par. But 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 don't say it's artists first. I mean, every credit, every cover lists the artist over the writer. Yeah, every exactly. uh, that's on the cover and that's inside. It says your storytellers are Joe Bennett and Jeff Lemire, John Romita Jr. And you know don't but but okay so that's cool i got two and a half issues by this awesome artist and now someone's coming in and that's not to say that patch zercher isn't a fantastic artist but don't don't tell me your artist forward if you're five artists in yeah and no, it's I'm only been that. eight issues I'm on that especially when you got your you know like take black science every fucking issue mateo yeah yeah right yeah east of west every fucking issue Trigata, right yeah. like even with even in DC, Mister Miracle, Mitch did every fucking issue. Like so, let's let's talk about you know. Like and he wanna, was a and 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 he owned up when he was like, listen, he's like, you know, issue ten is going to be a little late, and and yeah. you know, and, and that was cool. Baby but it's shit was happening, yeah, man. right, absolutely. But I'm saying like 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 I'm with you. Like don't if you're going to make the artist a distinctive part of the marketing, which I'm all for, by the way. I think artists don't get enough credit for a visual medium. You got to follow through. And I'll never understand how. And this isn't a DC bashing for all you DC listeners out there. That are like, Marvel has plenty of flaws too, plenty of flaws. Um, I don't understand how Jim Lee and Jeff Johns 
can be allowed to be the senior management of this company and still put out books that are egregiously delayed. I don't understand it. It does yeah. like it's like it, it's it's do as I say, not as I do at the highest well, order. I Lee's, don't understand it. Lee's contribution to Unexpected or to um, Immortal Men was what about five pages? The first yeah. issue, and he was yeah. touted as the artist. Yeah, of, and then he he had maybe two pages in the second issue, and then we didn't see him again. Yeah, like, I know you guys are current on Domino, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But um, you know, David Baldion has been incredible on it. It's I mean, true, he's been absolutely incredible. And unfortunately, he only does the first handful of pages in issue number nine. It's the first issue he's not done completely. And uh, the fill-in artist, it's it's just an absolute abomination. Mm. Like it's it's completely derails the book. Mm. It's, it's, it's it's just terrible. It's such a bummer. But anyway, um, in your travels, uh, first of all, as Dap alluded, this is the last episode of 2018. So happy New Year to everybody out there. We love you, and uh, thanks for an awesome year. Um, also, if you're listening to this. On the day it comes out, please be sure to wish a certain David Price and his lovely wife, Renee, the happiest of anniversaries. It's lucky number 13. You're sweet. Wink, wink. That's why we're releasing the episode today early. Um, I have two things to mention uh, in terms of books. One, because I got some requests for it because people knew what was coming out and wanted to get my thoughts. Um, Moby Dick featuring Donald Duck by Disney. Um I really, really wanted to like this. Oh, was it done in the Ducktales style? The Ducktales style? Yeah, Ducktales style. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's uh, it's it's written by Francesco Artibani with art by Paolo Motura. No issues with how it looks. It looks exactly as you would think it would look. But uh, I'm a bit of a Moby Dick purist, and maybe this comic just wasn't for me. It 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 has almost it, there's there's precious little to do with the actual Moby Dick story in this adaptation. It's uh, like, for example, a good chunk of the book is they all get swallowed up by Moby Dick and they're in his belly alive and well looking for Ahab's coin, AKA Uncle Scrooge's coin. I I can't have that. I can't have that. I I thought this was going to be the novel adapted, (laughs) but with the ducks and, and it wasn't that. So, Hard pass for me. Um, I will be sticking this in a care package when I do my next set. Um, not my cuppa, but maybe it'll be someone else's cuppa. That's fine. It is what it is. But my in your travels that I do want you to check out, I have to give a direct tip of the cap to our good friend and recent guest of the show, Mr. Caleb Alexander McKenzie, because we were riffing on what an underappreciated writer Kelly Thompson is while he was on the show, and uh, I think in the context of West Coast Avengers. And he is a fellow X-Men mutant sufferer. He, like me, reads pretty much every X-Men title, regardless of their quality, and suffers when they're not good for the hopes that it will soon become good. And he was surprised that I wasn't reading Mr. and Mrs. X. And admittedly, I gave it no thought mm-hmm. when it was solicited Well, because I-, because I didn't realize that Kelly Thompson was writing it. But Caleb right. mentioned it, and thanks to his reco, I did check it out, and I read 
Mr. and Mrs. X 1 through 6, which includes the first five issues is the first arc, and number 6 is the first issue of the second arc. And it takes place right out of the pages of X-Men Gold. Uh, Some of you may remember us joking about that uh, X-Men Gold was the series where Peter and Kitty were due to get married. And I think think that's partly why you may have been put off by it is that it, not so much that it was a bait and switch, but it's like, you know, when, when you, when you solicit Mr. And Mrs. X following a wedding issue, you would think that the Mr. And Mrs. might be the people who were going through with the wedding. And the fact that, uh, Anne Marie and Remy kind of stepped in to get married. And then that's where the series spun off from. So there may have been a little bit of a sour taste attached to it, but yeah, I, I didn't know that Kelly had writ- was writing. Yeah. Book yeah. Either. No, but exactly. So, so this takes place right after, uh, as David just mentioned, uh, Kitty, the bitch that she is, stands up Peter at the altar. And um, so uh, Gambit and Rogue step in and get married in a bit of a impromptu. And this takes place from there. But it's really – here's the thing. It's uh, – first of all, I think Kelly Thompson is just – I think she's she's fantastic. I, I, I'm a, I'm, I am pro Kelly Thompson. I've, I can't think of a comic that she's written that I haven't enjoyed. Um the first arc is drawn, uh, Pencils and Inks, by Oscar Bazaldua, who looks quite a lot like Terry Dodson, in my opinion. Um, I'm not going to say he's in Terry Dodson's camp yet, but he is of that school. And probably not surprisingly, or no coincidence, Terry and Rachel do the covers to the series. Um, and then the sixth issue is uh, drawn by David Lopez. Um, but it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun, frankly, in spite of the, the couple that leads the book, meaning that like, I'm not a huge, I like rogue fine. I'm not a huge rogue gambit Mark, but, um, it's so far been just this wild, crazy cosmic adventure. Uh, the tech net is featured in this series for hmm. all you Excalibur fans, uh, the star jammers, uh, the, uh, Imperial, uh, guard from, the Shi'ar. So it's been a big, crazy space adventure so far, and it's been a lot of fun. So Caleb was right. I stand corrected. And if uh, y'all have Marvel Unlimited, as I know many of you do, this should be popping up on there pretty soon. And it's uh, it's worth uh, adding to your, uh, your read list. Nice. There you go. Mm-hmm. Neither of you. You said you had... You said you had something you wanted to see if we read. Yeah, you didn't. Or at least you didn't talk about it. Well, what is it? X-Force number one. That's on I my, did not. It's on I my did, Slack. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, it's garbage. I didn't read anything. I, I didn't wow. read any of the three books that came out today. Yeah. Garbage, you it, say? It, it's garbage. And and not because of <sighs> artist Dylan Burnett does a fine job. It's It's all about... It's the story. And it's the same old mutants bad bullshit that we've i mean if this was the only exposure i got to the x universe at marvel i'd be like nothing has changed in 30 some years it's the same crap it's we're hunting mutants because they're they're evil and they're gonna undermine our society and and they're they're bad and then you have the the x-force saying well we're the mutants that you're all afraid of bang 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 it's like oh god i didn't like it at all I didn't. the whole the whole The whole kid cable angle was what got me to read it because 
I'm interested in in cable and and Nate Summers and um, why not? They're, uh, cable's my favorite mutant, so I thought I'll read this, and it was ugh. It was just bad, horrible. Did you you didn't read it yet, or you did read it, Jason? No, I did. I mean, I'm 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 probably an easier mark for this stuff than you are, so. <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't say I thought I hated it, or I thought I, I didn't think it was that memorable. I do agree with you; it's it's nothing we haven't seen many times before. Um, but I also agree; I, I really do like Dylan Burnett's style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and listen, it's it's a X book with Domino as the team leader. So, I mean, I'm going to give it some some leeway. Um, but I will say, and it's written by Ed Brisson, and I think he did a great job with the extermination miniseries just wrapped up. Mm-hmm which introduced Kid Cable. Um, but yeah, I, I think this first issue left a lot to be desired for two reasons. One, it's, it's random to me why we, when we call the book X-Force, it's okay for them all to kill. Like, I don't really have an issue with, with characters killing. Cause I think in a world where you're being persecuted and, trying to be wiped off the face of the earth, death, murder, maybe something you need to accept because it's like a war. So I don't really have an issue with that, but like, it is weird to me that a lot of these characters spend a lot of time in X continuity as other parts of the teams that are just beholden to never killing. And then when they're together in this particular grouping, they just are slicing people's throats. I, I, I do find that weird. Like I would, I would rather these characters just be always kept away from the main book Right. Because they're killers. So that is weird. Um, two, there was way too much talky talk and minion fighting for a first issue. Like, you're coming off an event, you're relaunching this title, you gotta give me a big bad, you gotta give me a big fight scene, you, you can't have me standing in a warehouse getting flashbacks and taking out a couple minions because yeah. there's nothing challenging about that. Like, like any one of the members of the team should have been able to wipe out all of those minions without taking, uh, like even catching a heavy breath. So I, I thought it was a, a strange way to start a new series. Um, not going to hook a lot of people. Yeah. The, the thing that turned me off the most was the opening scene, which slams the, the Jew motif down our throats. It mm. opens, no, it opens in, in transia and there's a village and you got soldiers going door to door. Bring out the mutant! Bring out the mutant! And it's just it, it's shades of World War Two with with Germany and the Jews. This kids and he, there's this mutant child. He he's he's probably a teen. He has a Spider Man sh- shirt on, and the soldiers barge in and they shoot this kid in the head. End scene. And the guy says. Um, he he shouldn't have run, Andre. We warned him. Besides, what's one more dead mutant? And like that's the first scene. Like, really? Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to open the book? Reminding us of a very despicable time in American history, uh, not world history, world history. Yeah. World history. And and you're going to apply it to this the mutant problem? Mm-hmm. Like it's just horrible. It it's 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 hackneyed. I didn't like it at all. Well, and, again, I, I really did like Dylan's. Uh, oh, art, the, the art's fine. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I, I do want to give Ed a bit of a breathing room here. I, I, as I said, I don't think the first issue was a strong first issue. I don't think it's the way to hook new readers. If you weren't reading Extermination and you just picked this up because it's number one, probably didn't do its job. But uh, I'm going to 
well, listen, Domino's the leader. I'm going to give it continue to give it a shot. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm not going to give it the big thumbs up. No, um, and there's a cool I'm... scene. Deathlock is in pieces. And oh, that's my see. That's my other nitpick. When 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 Reminder was doing his run, which to me is the best X Force run ever, and will probably always be. Uh, I was fine. He brought in Deathlock. It was cool. You know, it is what it is. But Deathlock's not a mutant. Nope. Like we don't need Deathlock to be in every incarnation of X Force. Like I would again, I'm fine with Remender having used him, but I don't need Deathlock to be in every X Force book. He's not a mutant. Like he can he can be in Remender's, and it was cool. He doesn't need to be a regular. I don't understand why he's a regular. Now I see. I, okay, I'm not the purist that you are, but <laughs> if you're going to put Deathlock in a book. It greatly increases my chances of my the chances mm-hmm. that, I'll, that I'll read. Yours, it. yes, yeah, yeah. So, Deathlock is in pieces, and Nathan throws him in a backpack. Shades of Chewie running with Chew, um, yeah, running with C three PO, and yeah. So it, that that scene was kind of cool, and they're they're fighting and and shooting as as they they run, and it it was neat, but it, it was. Why is Sam on the team? Like in the first issue of the book, Sam's like, "You ain't got to kill him." Yeah, and they're like, "Bruh, like this is what we do." I'm like, well, "What the fuck is Cannonball on the team then?" Yeah, like, there's Cannonball. five of you on the team. Like, pick one of the other ten people that have been on X Force before, like Psylocke or Phantom X or Angel or a new character yeah. that are fine with killing, and make them the other member. Like, I don't. I don't believe for a second that Guthrie kills. He doesn't. No, no, that's the point. He was like, "Why? I don't." So, how's he on the team? I like, it doesn't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Now, so it, it was. It was. I was very much looking forward to the issue. Me too. Um, and it was. Yeah. It was poop. Well, I won't go that far. It was poop. We got to be. Honest. It was. Uh, it was. You know, mildly gassy. Okay. Shart. It was a shart. It was a shart. It was a bit of a shart. <laughs> squirt, squirt into the pants. You may need to. <laughs> You oh. need to make sure your drawers are clean before you go to that job interview. So we're in Target tonight. This is oh my God. no, we're we're in Target and we're walking through the toy aisle. I'm checking out the Transformers, and my son stumbles upon this fairly large spider ham. Ooh. And oh he, yeah, that's been all the rage. All this, this and he goes, he he picks it up and he goes to me, spider ham. He he goes, have they have they. No more ideas for Spider-Man. I said, oh my God. I said, dude, what do you, you don't even know what you're talking about. I said, Spider-Ham is probably 30, 34 years old at this point, right? Mm-hmm. 80, 80 something. He came sure. out and I, and I told him the whole thing with Marvel Tales, Peter Porker, yeah. Spider- and I said there were alternate versions of Marvel superheroes that were animals, Captain Cap- America, Captain Goose Rider. Rider. I went through the whole list, right? And he's <laughs> like, he's like, Dad, I'm gonna go walk over there now. <laughs> he said, Vince. you can play with the pig, and I said, Vince. Peter Porker, dude. The same thing happened at Into the Spider Verse. Colin's like, I like the movie, Dad, but. Why'd they have to have a stupid cartoon pig? It didn't make sense. It makes all the sense in the world, yes. I'm like, of all the characters in the movie, he's one of the oldest. I'm like, he predates Miles, he predates Gwen, he predates Spider-Gwen. He predates, uh, you know, uh, the the, the Japanese mech version, the the S slash slash, you know, I don't even know how to say it. But uh, but yeah, I'm like, he's the, in fact, I think he may predate them all. He's the OG. 
of that bunch. Aside from Peter, yeah. No, I'm saying, but and he's like, oh, well, he's, and he was just like, well, that's dumb. He's like, the movie would have been better with that. No, it's he, agree it, to disagree. It's not dumb. It's fabulous, and and I would think that my 14 year old son would vibe on a, a, a spider pig, and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to check the games out. Yeah, same. Yeah, it hurt my heart a little bit, but whatever. But actually, Colin had a he. He was more bothered by the Japanese robot manga. He hated that they drew like a like manga style. Oh, really? Like anime style? Hated it. He was like, "Why is she anime? Like they're all from different universes, but we're they're supposed to be like the reality of that world, right? So like, why wouldn't they look real? That doesn't make sense." Well, like you, I think Colin thinks too much. (laughs) <laughs> he, he needs he's also a, kind of a what's the word for someone who's not into Japanese culture sinophobe xenophobe no that's alien Zena. culture no like sinophobe right well he just doesn't like the best culture on the planet that's okay that's what I told him I said dude you got lots to learn I'm like I'm dying to get to Tokyo like dying same same I know bro we gotta do it if we go we gotta take yes. Jay Tomio with us can you imagine that? Hey, wait, wait, wait. He should be the Take fucking the tour guide. The He's fuck putting us here. up in his mansion. Seriously. When? When, when we go. go. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Hells yeah. I'll massage him to sleep every night. Nice. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again for this book of the month. Selena's Big Score, and we hope you will join us on... Not only the next episode, but every book of the month, because we have so much fun here. We hope you did, too. You know the drill. If you want to experience more of the 11 o'clock comics universe, come to our Facebook page. We're always uh, batting things around on there, and we're on the Twitters, and we have the Patreon thing, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Join us, please, if you do. Um, and in the meantime, you know the, what we say. Say goodnight. David. Nice. Was it? Night. David. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Well that was, done. That was pretty sweet. I like it. Oh, oh for you. No, by I the hope. way, if it works for you guys, January 17th. Mm-hmm. Which is Thursday. It's the third Thursday, 11 o'clockers. I'm going to drop some best of 2018s right now. Not comics, though. No shit. All right. Are you good with the 17th, though? So we can I, start putting that out there? Sure. The ether? I think I think that works. Because uh, that'll give everybody about another two weeks to get their votes in. Okay. So, so tally. We, right. Okay. So you need to tally, and we need to pick a patron mm-hmm. who filled out all the answers. And is on Skype to sit in with us. Yes, so and we also need that that logo because 2019 is almost upon us. Yep. Remember, if you're yeah, an, if if you're a creative type and you would like to get in the running for the 11 o'clock comics album art uh, for 2019, get your submissions in quickly uh, or soon. Uh, please work 600 DPI in a uh, square format. Preferably eh, eight by eight. That's cool. Um, in or in the zone. I'm not going to give you um, negative points for working seven by seven or six by six, whatever. But just make sure it's 600 DPI and um, send us 
a JPEG, not the PSD or the working files. You can dumb it down for submission. Send us a nice, you know, medium res JPEG, easily emailed. We can, we're going to know what it's going to be uh, instantly apparent to our eyes what you got going on. So there's no reason to send us a 600 DPI file and get them in quickly or soon. Um, best of 2018. I got two things. I want to see your opinion. Best movie of 2018. Oh, shit. Don't say Mandy. Mandy. I knew it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. No doubt in my mind, Mandy's the best movie of 2018. Because you've seen like two movies in 2018. I've yeah, seen I, many I, movies I in 2018. <laughs> I love you to death, but you're not qualified to win the best movie of you don't, you don't watch movies. <laughs> Y'all can suck it. No, I mean, you, this is a UFC thing. Like, you can be, you, it can be your favorite. Right. No, best. Like, every year when we do nonfiction and you each pick one the one that you read and oh, or the one i heard was really good yeah. right yeah, exactly <laughs> all right if you don't want to play it's okay best album of 2018 now this one i think i'm i'm eminently qualified to comment on i agree best album of 2018 eat the elephant by a perfect circle hands down best album of 2018 We don't have any opinions from either of you? I haven't given it much thought, to be honest. Mm. I don't think I've listened. To, I, I've listened to almost no new music this year. Really? I think of, yeah, that I can think of. I, it's, yeah, as far as music goes, it's it's pretty much been a blur. Um, I mean, you're putting me on the spot here, Vince, because I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Let me think. Uh <sighs> Man, um, I don't know, dude. I, like, damn. Not even that, chill dish. That Earl sweatshirt was was hot. Um, what? What do you mean, what? Earl sweatshirt? Yeah. What is that? What is that? <laughs> what is it? It's it's he is a rapper. Okay. Um, Astro World by Travis Scott. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> see, see, but um, you got your best up right here. Hey, I do, you don't have to listen to every album that came out, <laughs> especially if it's rap. Oh, wow, Chill Dish. <laughs> oh my lord. Um. All right, non-rap. Let me think. Um. Bigger Rich Heaven development. Oof. <laughs> Jesus. Big and rich. <laughs> Apologies to any of you country music fans well, listen to the show, but Jesus, but, you know, come on. That's, that's your, I mean, that's I'm your soundtrack you. right there. <laughs> Big and rich. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm telling you, perfect circle. Um, it's good dead air. Um, hey. That Janelle Monet album was dope. Okay. That I want to listen to. Yeah, that, that's one thing. I um, oh, man. I'm trying to think. I, like, I, I don't feel like, uh, I don't know. I, feel, I don't feel like this year made, really made a oh, sense. Oh, actually, um, actually, only because 
dudes are talking about it, I, I was listening to the um, Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack, which was pretty on and popping. That is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't only know it from, this, from the movie itself, so I... Uh... I disqualify. Soundtrack? No. Um, anthology albums. Hey, nice, hey. Like, it, oh. no. Are they all new versions of songs? Re, re, no, no. So they're all just basically Looks good. Like best of. Some, it's good, a mix. Good tracks it's, picked from. Some were made for the movie, some were not. Oh, see, if they're made for the movie, that then that's but not right. all. Or inspired by. That's okay. But as long as they're original, like like not, they're not like pulling Stairway to Heaven. Right. No, but like, I mean, I think the best song in that movie is Sunflower by Post Malone, and that was already a hit this year for him. So like, I, I like I can't. It didn't come out for the soundtrack. It was already out. Post Malone is tight with Justin Bieber. Well, the Biebs is the man. No, I only know this because my son told me. Love the Biebs. You're not a fan of the Biebs? No. No. Well, no, I know a lot of people love that that Cardi B joint. I wasn't a fan. Uh, just not a fan. Uh, I did listen to that Casey Musgraves album, but. Not really my thing. Jesus, it's like I'm in a different universe. I don't know anything of the things you're you're, you're talking about. Uh, I I listened to that Mitski joint, which is okay. <laughs> I'm done. But yeah, you know what? I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna go with Janelle Monae. Okay. I'm gonna go dirty computer. Okay. I'm gonna go with. All right. Hey everybody. <laughs> Hey, who who did the uh, who, who's done the album art? So we, we uh, J- Jay Gordon, Daniel White, Zerjo, uh, Andy Gonzo, Gonzo, and Gonzo, right? Yep. So it uh, the fact that they have participated in the past does not disqualify them from except current. Ex- yes, except for Jonathan, who has been uh, grandfathered into our Hall of Fame because he won two years in a row. Canada. Kicked ass two years in a row. Oh, it's true. But, you know, you got to open it up for other people. Sure. Scotty, want to take a stab at it? You know, uh-huh. get, get some exposure. You need it? Go ahead. Whatever. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. Um, we'll be back. And you all go have a wonderful and safe New Year's. And we'll come back in 2019 and blow your proverbial doors wide off, wide open, whatever. We'll blow them off. Yep. Don't be some blown. Dildo. Mm. Just felt like saying it. Dildo. Say it anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, we're creepy now. It's a little creepy. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little. All creepy. of a sudden. Yep. Jason, say bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.